Well, good morning, Community of Grace. Good to see you, good to be with you, and good to welcome those of you who are watching online today. We are grace people. At least that's what we're trying to live into, right? It's not easy. These last few weeks have not been easy either. We are finishing up our current sermon series entitled When Life Gives You Lemons, and we have squeezed a lot of lemons over the last three weeks, haven't we? It's been hard. These are hard topics to talk about, and I just want to congratulate you and thank you for taking this journey for walking your way through these hard issues and these hard realities of our life today. This is not easy stuff to talk about. We've talked about depression. We've talked about the loss of dreams and aspirations and hopes. We've talked about the loss of loved ones, of people who are dear to us. These are real things, and they're hard things. But I hope that we're coming to understand that as followers of Jesus, we can do hard things. We can acknowledge those hard things, and we can live through them into something that God is able to make something beautiful out of. It's not easy, but it's a journey worth taking, and I'm glad that you have been taking it together with me and with us. Today, we're going to touch on how our response to the suffering around us and within us has led to yet another area of grief and another area of loss. And it's the loss of our relationships. It's a breakdown in our relationships. And I'm not just talking about the physical distance that we've had to deal with. We've all been dealing with that to one degree or another. It's hard not being able to be close to one another the way that we are used to, to not be able to see smiles the way we're accustomed to, and instead uh, being covered up with masks and having to be separate from one another. It's, that's hard in and of itself. But that's not particularly what I'm talking about today when it comes to the loss of relationships. I'm talking today about the distorted way that we see each other that has led to broken friendships, divided families, and even splintered churches. These are hard things, but we have lost something because of the suffering and challenges that we have faced over this last year. I think we've lost some of our civility our ability to be able to engage one another in a civil way. <laughs> you know, anthropologist Margaret Mead talked about this one time. She was asked by a student what she considered to be the first elements of civilization. What was it like when civilization got started? What, what was there as a part of the start of civilization? And this student was expecting to hear something like, well, the use of tools or the use of language or written language or history or things like that. But that's not what Mead said. Mead said that the first sign of civilization in an ancient culture was a broken thigh bone that had healed. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You cannot outrun the danger. You can't get to the river for a drink. You can't hunt for food. You are food for the beasts that are around you. No animal survives a broken leg long enough for it to heal. So a broken femur that has healed, well, that means that someone has taken time to stay with the one who fell. Someone has taken time to bind up the wound, has carried that person to safety and tended them through their healing and through their recovery. 
Helping someone else through difficulty is where civilization begins. We are at our best when we serve others. So be civilized. There's a lot that's there, but it's so true. And unfortunately, I think we've experienced and witnessed a real breakdown in almost this most basic level of civilization, being civil to one another, caring for each other's wounds. Everybody's carrying wounds. Everybody has been suffering to some degree or another over the course of this last year. But instead of seeking ways to bind up one another's wounds, to heal one another, to help and care for one another, we have inflicted further wounds. We found reasons to hate one another and to foster that hate and even feed into that hate. And I think there's something that is driving that within us and its most painful form is to see it within people who call Jesus their Lord. We have become obsessed with being right and having rights instead of embracing God's righteousness. And they are different things. Being righteous is not the same as being right or having rights. Righteousness is an attribute that we can't bring to ourselves. It's a gift from God. But being right or trying to fight for our rights, well, that always gets us into trouble. And it is obvious to see today, but it was also obvious to Jesus Jesus saw this in his own time with his own disciples, and he shared about this challenge with them. And I want to invite you to read a passage with me, a parable of Jesus from the gospel according to Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. One of many parables of Jesus, stories that he shared with his disciples and with others, If you have your Bible with you, that's wonderful. If you get it on your phone, that's great. You can open it up. If you have it at home, please keep it ready anytime that you're watching a service with us together at Community of Grace, that you're ready to pop it open and and read along with me and then see the context where these things take place. So let's start reading together in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. It says this, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Pause right there. What's Jesus talking about? Jesus is talking about something that he loves to talk about. He talks about it in multiple parables because he starts out multiple parables with this very same phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. They are interchangeable terms. And he's talking about the kingdom that he came to establish. Jesus himself as the prince of peace, as the king of kings, the lord of lords, Jesus comes to establish this kingdom. He proclaims it from the moment that he arrives. And he wants people to repent and believe the truth about this kingdom, the good news that the kingdom of God has arrived, where things will be as they should be. And sometimes they are, but not always. See, that's the challenge of the kingdom, and it's the challenge that Jesus presents when he talks about the kingdom. He doesn't talk about the kingdom by saying that everything is finished and taken care of. He talks about the kingdom by saying there's something that's just gotten started. There's something that's just begun. And it still has to grow, and it still has to be nourished, and it still has to continue, and there will be things that will be opposed to this kingdom. 
But nevertheless, he wants to tell a story about the kingdom. And so that's where he starts in this story. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters. First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather up the wheat and bring it into my barn. Jesus is using a story of agriculture. He loved to talk about these stories. He talked a lot about seeds, about things being planted, about things growing. And here he's at it again. He's talking about something being planted in the ground, a farmer who goes and plants seed into the ground. It's good seed, right? Why else would the farmer be out there? He doesn't plant weeds. Anybody who's ever raised a garden or worked in a garden knows that you don't go out there and plant weeds, right? You go out there and you plant the good seed that you want to grow into a harvest. But nonetheless, no matter how hard you try, there will be weeds that will grow up too, yes? You're going to find weeds in the garden. No matter how hard you try to till it ahead of time, get rid of everything out of the way and make it perfect, some weeds are going to grow, and that's the case here. The sower goes out and sows good seed, plants it into the ground. But it says that an enemy came along and planted some weeds alongside that seed. And these servants of the Lord come to him and go, Lord, what's happened? There are weeds out there. Where did they come from? And the Lord says, an enemy has done this. How many of you have probably thought about that when you've been out there in the garden? Who did this to my garden? An enemy has planted these weeds amongst the wheat that I have planted. Straightforward, right? Straightforward story up to this point. Everything makes pretty much sense, okay? You can get it. You plant the good seeds, but some, the, the, the wind blows in the weeds. The weeds show up. A part of the fall, a part of a broken humanity, a broken creation, there are weeds that show up. And the weeds grow up right alongside this wheat. And the servants go, okay now, Lord, would you like us to go out and pull up all of the weeds. And Jesus says, no. No. Why? Because Jesus understands something about us that we sometimes don't understand about ourselves. You see, we want to be weed pullers. And we tend to think that our job in this world is to be the weed pullers. We are supposed to go out there and distinguish between those things that are good and those things that are bad, and then we are to go deal with the bad things. We'll take it upon ourselves to do this, and we take it upon ourselves 
with a wide variety of different perspectives. Whether you call this activity of weed pulling social justice, or whether you call this activity of weed pulling law and order, it really doesn't matter. Because at the bottom line is this, it's based on the same brokenness in the human heart. There is a brokenness within us that wants to fix the things around us and thinks that we can fix the things around us. I'm not saying the motivation to want to fix things is bad. I'm saying that the reality of it is, is we are not good enough to do it ourselves. In fact, if we try, we will inevitably screw it up. You see, we are convinced that we are right and it is our job to fix everything and everyone that is wrong. If we could just separate all the good from all the evil, if we could just remedy every injustice by forcing others to submit to our will, if we could just cancel out all the people who have ever acted in opposition to God's will, then we would be free from all of this suffering. We would restore purity to the world. We would end all strife. We would win. We, we, we all the way home. But it doesn't work that way. And Jesus gets it. Because Jesus' response to this cry of our heart, can't we just fix it all, Lord, for you? Can't we just go out there and take care of all of this for you, Lord? We'll do it for you, Lord. And Jesus says, no! No, no. Why? Because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows that if we try to pull up the weeds, we will do more harm than good. We'll do more harm than good. You see, here's the thing about wheat and tares. That's the particular name of this kind of weed that grows up next to the wheat. When they're young, when they're planted in the ground, when they start to grow up together, one next to each other, you cannot tell them apart. They look exactly the same as they grow up next to one another. In fact, you won't be able to tell until they get to the very end stage of their growth, and you'll discover that one of them has a head of wheat that produces this wonderful fruit, and the other doesn't. But you won't know until you get to the very end. Because we can't distinguish those things. We are broken. And when we try to do the job of weeding these things out, we will inevitably tear into the people who we love and the people around us who are the good wheat too. We will do more damage than good when we in our own strength and through our own lens think that we can fix others or fix ourselves. Because here's the thing, we are the ones who have sown the discord. And the weeds are growing inside of us. The root of sin is not something out there. 
The problems in the world aren't something out there that we must go and fix. The problems in the world are right here, right now, right where you're sitting. It's you and me. We are the weeds. And we are broken. And we cannot fix ourselves. And in our pain and in our suffering and in the things that we have witnessed in a world gone mad, we still think that we are supposed to fix it ourselves. And we want to point out the problems in everybody else. But we're not aware of the problems that are right within us. And we haven't started there. We must start with ourselves, friends. We must start and acknowledge the fact that we are broken. And it takes a humility to do that. And from that place of humility, then there is a chance to move forward in a different way. Is there a way through this mess? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. It's a Jesus way. And the Apostle Paul spoke about this way in Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 9. Just listen along to this passage. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for the Lord's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I think I could summarize this whole passage in one sentence, and it's this. So harmony instead of discord, and let Jesus handle the weeds. So harmony instead of discord, and let Jesus handle the weeds. If we spend all of our time looking for the weeds in everybody else, we are going to overlook the weeds in our own lives. Start with you. Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Love is the lens by which we are to look at one another. Not weeds. 
but love. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, hey, there you go again, pastor, talking about love. What about truth? What about justice? What about righteousness? Yeah, you know, I talk a lot about love. Because here's the thing, it isn't my idea, it's God's idea. And if you think you have a better idea, you're welcome to argue that and take it up with God, but why be wrong? This is God's way. This is what God instructs us to do. Honor one another above yourselves. That's humility. That's not trying to find the weeds in somebody else first, but going, you know what? Let me start by recognizing the fact that I've got weeds in my own life. You probably got weeds in your life too, but let me start by listening and honoring you as a child of God first. Let me start there and be willing to listen It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that everybody else shares, whether they are brothers and sisters in Christ or whether they are not. But it does mean that I am called to honor them. And honoring means starting with yourself in humility. Honor one another above yourselves. Be passionate in serving Jesus instead of fighting with each other. It's good to have zeal. It's good to be passionate about God's truth. But God's truth is a person, and that person is the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has a command for you and for me, and it's to love God and love your neighbor as you yourself are loved. It's not optional for us, friends. Jesus doesn't say, love your neighbor if it feels right. Jesus doesn't say, love your neighbor as long as they are doing everything right. He says, love your neighbor as you love the Lord and as you recognize yourself as loved and as you recognize yourself as forgiven. Because that's the lens by which Jesus sees you, someone who is worthy of his love, not because you started off worthy, but because he has made you worthy through his forgiveness, through his love, through his compassion. Be hospitable, bless instead of curse, overcome evil with good. These are hard things too, aren't they? But you have your choice of hard here. Do you want to do the hard things that are totally of your own doing, that just make things harder for you and everybody else? Or do you want to live in to the love that Jesus has for you, that he desires to live through you, to show to one another? I'm not going to say that's easy. But what I will say is I know where you will find Jesus You'll find him in that place of forgiveness first. You'll find him in that place of compassion first. You'll find him in that place of humility first. Because that's how Jesus lived. And that's the example he set for us in living. And then beyond that, it's what he did for us in his death. In paying the price for our sin. 
in doing the weeding in our lives. That's God's work, not yours. So start with what God has done for you and let that overflow into what God wants to do for others too. I think it's a path back to one another. It's a way in which we can be people of harmony. To live in harmony instead of discord. You know, you've heard a lot of talk from a lot of different people recently about unity, about the importance of unity. Well, unity means something different when it comes to us as followers of Jesus. Jesus prayed for his disciples both then and now, praying that we would be one as he is one with the Father. When we talk about God and unity, we talk about tri-unity, don't we? The Trinity. God in three persons. The unity of God is a harmony. It's a harmony between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's a harmony that you and I are invited into. And we are invited then to share in that harmony with one another. And the thing about harmony is it doesn't mean that we're all just singing exactly the same notes. It means we've learned to take the differences that we have with one another and submit them before God and to trust in God's work that even if that person doesn't look the same, sound the same, or think exactly the same way as me, in love we can have harmony with one another but only in the love that comes from God, only in the love that we find through Jesus Christ. And in that, there is a way to bring healing to our broken relationships and to our broken world. When life gives you lemons, don't let them sour your relationships with others. We've had plenty of lemons over this last year, but we don't have to let those lemons sour every relationship that we have. We don't have to let that seed get planted in us that grows up into a weed, a sour weed. Instead, we can look to Jesus, the one who said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it can bear no fruit. But Jesus, who is the one who came to earth, has sown a good seed in us through his death that we could have new life that we could be forgiven, that we could have the Holy Spirit present and dwelling in our hearts, alive in us, so that we can be alive to one another. So let's confess the weeds in our own hearts and trust that Jesus has planted a new seed in us through his death on the cross. And let that be a journey that brings us back into wholeness. There are things to lament from this past year. But let's grieve those things together as brothers and sisters in harmony with one another and let that be the testimony that the world sees a people who are different, a people of grace. Let's be that people. 
I'm going to pray, and in just a minute then, we're going we're to watch a video to kind of sum up our time over this past month. We're going to look at some of the places where we have lamented as a congregation. We're going to let that reality be true for us because there are things to lament. And then there's a place for us to go forward from this place of lament into a place of God's wholeness and hope. Let's start on that journey. Heavenly Father, thank you for this journey that we have been on over this past month, Lord. It has not been easy. But Lord, you have done the hardest work for us, the work that we couldn't possibly do for ourselves, the work of forgiveness, the work of your love. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be real with one another, to share in the grief and the sorrow and the difficulty of this season, but as one people, as your people, as children of our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Those are our stories. Thank you, church, for uh, being honest, being vulnerable, and sharing those. Um, those are things we grieve together. And uh, we want to be a community that's honest about these things. And that shares our joys, but also shares our losses. And it's okay to be sad, and it's okay to be mad. Um, we bring all these things to Jesus. Let's do that now. God, you love us so much. We know that you're no stranger to grief. And it still hurts. And we bring ourselves and our hearts and our hurts to you. We cast our burdens on you because you care for us. Holy Spirit, I pray for hope pray for hope over our hearts, for a daily reminder that you are making all things new, and that you are recreating every broken thing, us included. Help us to be a community of grace who grieves with those who are grieving.
as much as it is in our power, help us to be the wheat. But it is way more in your power. So we leave that good work to you. Continue to transform us. Receive our grief and our hearts and continue to guide us in your way.